U.S. Congressman Dr. Mark Green joins Charlie and Katie on this episode to talk about plans to reopen the economy and society during the pandemic. He also talks about how businesses should plan to reopen when the time comes and about his idea to bring more manufacturing jobs back to the United States and why the COVID-19 crisis has made that even more important. Hey, this is Katie Gamble, and I'm here with Charlie Kuhn for another episode of Clarksville's Conversation. As you all have figured out by now, we're doing it a little different because we're social distancing ourselves. So we've got this video, and we still have the audio on Clarksville Now and Clarksville's Conversation. But Charlie, I don't think this gentleman needs much introduction, but I'm going to hand it off to you and let you introduce him anyway. Well, well, I appreciate that, Katie. And I'm going to introduce him as our friend and congressman. Mr. Mark Green, how you doing, Mark? I'm doing great, brother. How are you? Uh, we're we're hanging in there, trying to trying to stay busy in these crazy times, for sure. You know, yeah. an extrovert like Charlie is having a tough time with this thing. Of yeah. course, of course. <laughs> and you're not that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the older I get, I'm a little less. So. <laughs> yeah, I think we all get that way. Yeah. Well, well, Mark, we we appreciate you taking time. We know you're busy. Um, we've got a couple things we want to talk about. And let's start with the, the obvious. Let's talk about COVID-19 and how you see things going, and then we'll move, move into some other stuff. Sure. I think there's, and I could, you know, we could fill up hours talking about just what we've learned about the virus itself. Uh, now there's, it looks as if there's some kind of a genetic uh, predisposition to having a worse outcome versus a, you know, a patient like Rand Paul. You know, Senator Paul had it, was tested positive, you know, is a, I think he's probably late 50s, early 60s kind of guy. Uh, no symptoms. Didn't have a single symptom, but tested positive because he was around someone who had it. Uh, compare him to a similarly aged guy, Boris uh, Johnson, the prime minister of UK, winds up in the ICU. So they've, they've kind of isolated the receptor um on the lung epithelial cells, and that is what the virus is binding to. And based on the person's configuration of that particular receptor, kind of determines the outcome, out, you know, the outcome with the disease. Uh, so, lots of research going on there, and of course, there's tons of research on. Now it looks like it, it, it's more like high altitude pulmonary edema, and that's kind of a technical term for all the medical people out there, and not and not as much ARDS. So the chances, new research shows, if you go on the ventilator, you know, you, you you don't have a really good outcome from patients they put on the ventilator. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's new research on um, you know therapeutics that's in the works and and the vaccine it looks like moderna's vaccine is now going to phase two so that's really fast it's important though to stress that they are still going through all the steps to make sure that the vaccine will be safe and they need to do that and they are doing that um of course there's you know the stuff recently about china and that's a whole nother thing. And, you know, we're in a community here where national security is so important. The, the Clarksville community with Fort Campbell, of course, you got some great Fort Campbell, uh, hospital field hospital folks up in New York city deployed doing, doing their duty to serve the country in, in COVID-19 times. But, uh, there's the issues with China. We can talk about that, of course. And then there's, you know, balancing this virus, and uh, the bad outcomes that can come from the virus with the bad outcomes that come from shutting down the economy to, to, to address the issues of the virus. So there's lots to talk about, and, um, but uh, a lot, lot going on. 
So, yeah, so I have a question about, you know, the, the big term is flattening the curve. Everybody, let's flatten the curve. Sure. And then, you know, that sounds great. And then you hear um, the negative side is, well, you flatten the curve, but you're really not doing much but prolonging the term or the spread. And I don't know what to believe when I hear something. From an immune system standpoint, I think is the thought there. So the area under the curve doesn't change. So if you, you know, the, the reason to flatten the curve is to not exceed our maximum capacity of ICU beds and ventilators. So it's a, it's a healthcare capacity issue. That's why you flatten the curve. But the area under the curve doesn't change. The virus will go through our population. Those who get it will have to deal with getting it. Um, but the great thing about that is, is that social distancing has flattened the curve and we're going to continue social distancing. You know, as we open up the economy, there will still be social distancing. This has changed America profoundly. And uh, I think people are using hand sanitizer a lot and will continue to do so. Yeah. Um, so you're not going to see these models that were originally predicted, even though we're flattening the curve and the virus will continue to spread through the, the, the society. Plus, we're going to have herd immunity that will happen and then eventually we'll have a vaccine. So um, it is time now to kind of start working through starting the economy back up again, because, I mean, we've got I'll give you an example of a guy who had a hernia, uh, excruciating pain, but it didn't qualify for, as an emergent surgery so he didn't get operated on they gave him pain medicines the, the, the dear man was in such pain he killed himself oh that's no no it, it's horrible so you think about and i've got emails recently from people in our community and this is what i was talking i was on the phone with the governor last night and this morning talking about this issue we've got to get the non-emergent medical going again because this young woman has a breast lump that hasn't been biopsied yet and it's been postponed three times. And that's unacceptable. When I drive past the liquor store yesterday, I had to go pick up some meds for, for Kenny. She had a little skin infection. So we went and got something at Walgreens. Well, we're driving by and there's somebody coming out of the liquor store. But this young woman can't go get her breast biopsy done. That is crazy. That's crazy. So we have got to get the non-emergent medical because our now the models are showing we've got 135 uh, dead in Tennessee, although the, the governor should have made an announcement at three, and I don't I don't have his new numbers. I don't either. Yesterday, it was 135. The new model says by August, 460. In 17, we had 1,700 deaths from flu. So we have really done a great job of spreading this out. Time to start the economy up. And the first place it needs to start up is non-emergent medical for folks like that, because there's this downstream effect that is harming people. I know someone, and I'm not going to say names for obvious reasons, someone okay. very close to me, who was diagnosed with lymphoma. Well, they kept postponing the more tests to see, you know, what kind, if it had it spread, because, I mean, they're just now starting to do it. They postponed it because they didn't want him in the hospital. And yeah. I'm thinking, well, if you've got something, that sounds pretty serious to me. Wouldn't you kind of want to know at what stage you're at? I mean, why? I, I, I was surprised they would postpone that. Yeah, I mean, it, if the go if the governor words the exclusions a certain way, it basically means you know certain things can't be done. So it's all about how the wording is. 
Um, in the case of that hernia, you would think, well, that needs to be fixed. But if it's not in what's called incarcerated, where you have bowel trapped in there, then it's not technically emergent. So if the restrictions say no uh, non-emergent, you know, non-emergent surgeries cannot be performed, then th- the physician would be breaking the, the governor's law or the governor's I, ruling. I certainly wouldn't think a breast cancer uh, tumor would be elective. It's not elective, but it's not, you know, and it would be considered urgent, but not emergent. Gotcha. So it's urgent, but not emergent. And what I think we need to do is open these procedures up yesterday. I mean, that's, that's basically what I told us. I sent the governor a formal letter on Monday. So I mean, is that the place we need to begin opening back the economy. Yeah, I think so. Because you, you that is economic activity. You know, if a person goes and gets a, um, a skin tag removed or gets their hernia repaired, I mean, that's economic activity. So it gets part of the economy going, gets people back at their jobs, nurses, providers. But it's also doing good things like getting those patients taken care of. And you're, you're starting the economy in a place where people understand uni- universal precautions and they, they have PPE. So, I mean, it's the best place to start the restart of the economy is in that non-emergent medical. Well, you, you talk about uh, speaking with the governor a lot, but you also speak with mayors in your district. So how, how do you do that? What, what do you talk about with, with all your mayors? You know, we've had a couple of different uh, tele town halls or, or conference calls with just the mayors. And I think what I'm the, the main the main message to the mayors is start planning reopening now. And of course, this was a week ago when we started that conversation. So we've been working with mayors and chambers of commerce. We've done, I think, the Montgomery County. We did West Tennessee and we did uh, Williamson County chambers of commerce where we just sat and talked to members of the chamber and said, OK, be involved with your local mayors to plan the reopening. And I know, you know, my wife has a business. She runs two CrossFit gyms in town, uh, CrossFit Sulphide and CrossFit Clarksville. And she is already thinking through, okay, when we bring people back, we're going to have people X number of feet apart and we'll have, and hers is a CrossFit gym. So it's a little bit different. They don't have equipment like you do at a regular gym at the Y. So she'll be able to sanitize after each use, you know, the, the, the kettlebells and the weight belts and all that stuff. So, she's building a plan and talking to her coaches about how to, how to go about it. every business in, in the community needs to be doing that. And they need to be doing it in conjunction with the health department and the mayors. So that's pretty much the big message to those guys. Board in the foxhole. Because when we open the economy back up and let's say you can go to a restaurant again, it's, we're still going to have to social distance and we're still, there's still going to have to be precautions. Do you think there'll be some criteria that's put out there? Okay. You can open it back up, but you have to do this, this, and this. I think that at first that will be the case. Uh, so, you know, and I don't know what those criteria exactly are. It may be dependent upon the square footage of your retail space, mm-hmm. right? Um, it may be that you can only have so many people in a, in a certain amount of square feet. Um, and so it's, those are the kind of things that have to be thought through. And I, I'm not, you know, this is sort of in the executive branch lane, the governor, the mayors, they're, they're doing that. The president, I guess, uh, just recently put out something maybe about a half an hour ago with his initial guidelines. 
So those guys are going to have to sit down, look at all those numbers, and make decisions. Well, you have a unique. Go ahead, Charlie. I'm sorry. Well, I'm talking about business and opening the economy. I saw recently that you uh, you have some ideas about bringing American companies back home from from other countries. Tell us a little bit about what your thoughts are on that. Well, mostly China. You know, a lot of manufacturing got offshore to China, and we lost a lot of American jobs. Of course, the president has been hammering China on that since he, well, since he was a candidate. Uh, and a lot of people were like, eh, whatever, whatever. And now we see in the midst of this crisis just how, how prescient he was. Um, and you know, here we have China, um, supposedly our friend, um, basically buying up and getting donated to them from Italy, donated tons of PPE to China. And then when Italy needed it, China sold it back to them. Wow. I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's the people's Republic of China. Mm-hmm. Um, now they're, we have American companies that are located in China, manufacturing PPE and China won't let them ship it to us. Um, we know for a fact they hid the truth about the virus. They lied. And you've heard the expression, Bush lied, people died, which I, I thought was incorrect. Well, Xi lied and people died. And it's the truth. Xi lied, people died. And uh, the World Health Organization was complicit. Uh, Tedros was hired by the Chinese to take that job. They supported him, pushed him into the office. And uh, despite emails and other verifying proof that there was human to human transmission, China lied about it. And they let their Lunar New Year celebration continue. And 400,000 people flew out of Wuhan, China, direct to the United States in the month of January. I was reading about that just yesterday, as a matter of fact. Um, so we want that manufacturing back from China and we want it in the United States. And really, I, you know, as I told the governor today, we want it in Tennessee. So I have a bill in, that we're drafting in front of Congress that would uh, allow those businesses that come back from China to the United States to expense the cost of that move on their taxes. And, the, and we would pay for it from the tariffs that China pays us on the $250 billion worth of goods that they, they buy from us annually. So those tariffs would cover the cost of the uh, tax break that we'd be giving those companies to come back to America. And we'd be providing American jobs, which is needed right, right now too. Yeah. yeah. Well, I've, I've always wanted to ask you this question. Uh-oh. <laughs> no, it's, it's an easy one. But, you know, your, your medical background, your military background, now you're in Congress. What, which one of those um, skill sets helps you more in your current position? Depends on the day, right? Yeah, it probably does depend on the day. You know, honestly, I think probably my time as a businessman uh, running a company because, um, you know, leading in the congressional world is a lot different than leading in the Army or even leading in medicine in like an ER setting where you're you're running a code, you're running a trauma. And, you know, when the ER doctor says, you know, push this drug, the nurse pushes that drug after clarifying. Mm -hmm. um, but in, in Congress, you know, gaining influence with people is more about who you are 
and less about a position you hold. And I'm, I'm leaning more on that kind of leadership than I am on like military positional type. There's no rank, even though you're a congressman, there's no rank because, you know, people can do whatever they want. And, um, so there's probably that. And then just negotiating, you know, I learned how to negotiate deals in, in my business, you know, in, in the military, you don't negotiate, <laughs> you know, you don't sit down and say, okay, I think, well, what do you think? Well, how, how will we do this ambush? You know, that the commander makes it and he listens to his people, people have input and then the commander makes a decision. Well, uh, when you're writing a bill and you're trying to get people to sign on to that bill, uh, there's a massive negotiation that goes on. And I learned how to do that in my business job. Now, being a physician has certainly helped in this particular role uh, with the COVID stuff, because I can I can provide insight on both the uh, medical care patients, uh, the research on some of this stuff, and then, um, you know, the business side of it, too, on medicine. I can't imagine. And I'm, like I said, pretty illiterate when it comes to the negotiating, all the things that you have to do up there. But to try to put together a bill that would bring manufacturing back to the United States, I have a hard time believing people would want to fight you on something like that. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's revenue, right? We would lose some tax revenue. So there'll be people who are, you know, who don't want that. They'll want the money to be spent on something. And there are a lot of those people in Congress. So uh, understanding, and we all have different economic models that we believe, you know, I'm more of a Milton Friedman slash, I'm more of a supply side guy, you know, Art Laffer and Robert Mendel and some of those guys in the economics world, uh, Hayek. And then there, you know, there's the, most of the Democrats are Keynesians or Neo-Keynesians. And so you have these debates. So what's best for the economy and creating jobs? Well, you know, I think tax credits and allowing businesses to create growth and expansion themselves. And that results in hiring people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the Keynesians would say you do an economic stimulus from the government and there's a multiplier effect. And I, I would say that's akin to taking water out of one end of the swimming pool, running it through a leaky water hose and putting it back in the other side of the swimming pool and suggesting that somehow that's going to raise the water level. Um, that makes no sense. But that's competing economic models. And so we all approach the legislation from what we see as the, the right way to do business. So, yeah. Well, so in closing, where do we start to open the economy back? I mean, what, where, where do we begin and how do you I don't think this is going I don't think that even if tomorrow businesses could have business as usual, it's going to take some time for these businesses to recoup the financial losses that they've had. Oh, gosh. Well, there are some businesses that aren't going to get back the loss other than mm-hmm. getting help from the government because you take hair, uh, you know, haircuts. You know, I get a haircut probably every two weeks. Well, that hasn't happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, Right. So and it's not like once you cut the hair, you can go back and make up all those missed haircuts. Yeah. yeah. Uh, restaurants are like that. Now, cars, you know, auto sales, maybe they wait and they, they pick up at the end of the year or iPhone sales. Maybe they wait and pick up at the end of the year. So their their gross sales for the year may not take as big a hit. But the restaurant guys, they can't get last Friday night back. Yeah. Mm hmm. And they only have X capacity and that capacity may be limited initially. So that that's a hit that's permanent. So, 
you know, like I said, I think the first place is non-emergent medical. And then after that for retail, because honestly, it's very interesting. I mean, Walmart and I was at Lowe's. I had uh, my dehumidifier broken house. I had to go get that replaced. So I'm walking around Lowe's and everybody's adhering to the six feet and they've got little boxes on the floor where you stand as you're in the checkout line. So uh, there's a new way of doing business. And if they can do it, then so can a clothing store. So can, so all of that retail, I think can stand up pretty quickly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's where we come together in big groups like restaurants, the, mm-hmm. you know, restaurants and movie theaters and, uh, of course, sporting events and concerts, those things are probably going to be a little further down the road, but you know, you know, parks, I think the state parks should open up. I mean, I, I think you close the facilities at the state park, but you open the park now. Nah. So people can go hiking and be outside. Exactly. I mean, that only makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what, what are you thinking, um, about the, uh, PPP paycheck protection? What do you think about phase two of that? I think it'll happen. Um, I think it's just how much the Democrats tack on to it. You know, I have no idea why the National Endowment of the Arts needed $75 million in the coronavirus bailout bill. Yeah. Nancy Pelosi insisted she would not support the bill on the House side until we did it. I asked somebody the other day, what is, you know, does it, is she going to have some kind of decorative origami made by those guys to replicate a coronavirus? I don't know, but um, she, think of the ventilators that could have been bought with that $75 million. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So what is she going to, what is she going to try to stick on this next one? I mean, it was, it's, it's gone to the floor of the Senate to, to do the plus up of the PPP once already. And they refuse to pass it. The Democrats refuse to pass that. So, and just like with the other stimulus, that, that check that everybody's going to get has been delayed a week because Pelosi came in with her bill about green new, uh, the green new deal and all that. And fortunately we got that pulled off the cares act and got it passed on that Friday. But I mean, she's the one that delayed, delayed that for a week. And now we're delayed on refilling PPP and that should have been done. I mean, Mitch McConnell and the president and, uh, Leader McCarthy tried to get that done a week and a half ago, and she, she, they just blocked it. So it will happen. It just it's an issue of how much junk they add on to it. Maybe with all the added press of it being out of money, we'll put a little bit of pressure to get it done a little sooner. I hope so. They ran out sometime last night. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. Well, well, thank you so much. For yeah. What, you, what can we do for you? What can we do to help you, Mark? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, just pray for me and uh, let people know what we're doing and how people, you know, keep people informed and um, connected to us. And uh, I'll, I'll have a campaign coming up soon. So we'll, we'll be out uh, knocking on doors and, and talking about reelection. But uh, that we're not focused on that right now. Right now we're focused on getting folks through this, this crisis. But uh, all that's up and coming. Well, I hope you'll consider coming back with us as things change, because I know they're changing rapidly, because this is pretty, we enjoy, we enjoy spending time with you. Thanks. Same here. Enjoy y'all's company. Thank you. Subscribe to Clarksville's Conversation wherever you get your podcasts. You don't miss a single conversation.